Welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas, your co-host, joined by my co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing? Doing really well. Uh, busy day, busy so far week at work, but uh, looking forward to the holiday break. How about yourself? Absolutely. It's always a rush getting ready for, for the holiday season and Christmas and New Year's, all those good things. Are you, uh, are you, you know, getting more and more, I guess, equipped to deal with the season? Do you get your shopping done early? Are you last minute guy? Um, shopping early, I got sick, so that kind of ruined kind of my shopping. But luckily, I mean, my parents want gift cards. I know what my brother wants. Um, so, and I uh, already took things, care of things for my girlfriend. So um, it's pretty straightforward. I kind of know kind of what to get instead of avoiding just this crazy holiday rush so got your bases covered that's mm-hmm. nice it's nice when people know what they want yeah it's true <laughs> it's really difficult when <laughs> when you got someone on your list who says i i don't know give me anything or right. <laughs> something like that like no, come on true. give give me a hint buddy <laughs> that's true that's cool yeah i i feel uh more ready this year than last year thankfully and that's mostly uh because my wife is such a good planner and very organized and really got on top of it right on black friday sales and all that and we were pretty much set after that uh other than a few things so looking forward to it always enjoy this holiday season uh really from from halloween on i i really just love this time of the year and There's a lot to like in the NBA season at this time of year as well. We've got a lot of things going down in the NBA. We're going to talk about the Clippers' recent hot streak. We're going to talk about Draymond Green coming out while John Morant is coming back into the NBA tonight at um, the time this podcast was recorded. You will likely have already seen John Morant's first performance So we'll see how that goes. Uh, And then we've got a lot of other ins and outs and goings on in the NBA. Another team that uh, has potentially uh, will will be making headlines maybe during the trade deadline. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, A really crazy interaction with Giannis and a, a (laughs) bunch of other fun to cover today. Just a reminder before we get into it that you can get in touch with the show hoopsologypod at gmail.com for our mailbag. You can check us out anywhere you're going for social media, as well as subscribing to our YouTube channel. And if you are already watching or listening to us, thank you so much as always for your support of the show. We really appreciate it. Justin, want to just mention a couple things. There's There's been some NBA history made this week on multiple fronts. So I just kind of want to announce those things. It's always fun talking about records and, and the like. We had Steph Curry's massive 268 game of consecutive, at least one made three-point field goal. That streak has been snapped earlier this week. And it's hard to imagine that someone, even Steph Curry himself, will break that record. But I guess you never know. And then we had Damian Lillard passing Kyle Korver for fifth all-time in three-point field goals made with his 2,451st three-point field goal made earlier this week. 
I didn't know that Kyle Korver was fifth on the all-time makes list. So <laughs> props to him for, for being yeah. that high on the list. I mean, he had that massive run with Atlanta in the early 2010s and uh, had a stint with Cleveland that was really good too. Um, and the last record of these, James Harden becomes the 24th player in NBA history to reach 25,000 career points. So congratulations to all three of those, any of those records jump out to you as maybe most impressive of that list? Um, you know, I have a soft spot for Steph Curry. So um, that's an incredible streak he had of just a long range of threes. I mean, this shows that he's the greatest shooter ever. So it's pretty amazing. And, you know, Damian Lillard, I think a lot of casual NBA fans probably typecast him as a as a score and not necessarily a three point shooter overall. Um, so it just, just shows kind of the versatility in Damian Lillard's game as well. And of course, I think with James Harden, I'm not surprised. I think he's he's his strength is scoring, so it's not surprised oh, yeah. he reached twenty five thousand points. So yeah, only the twenty fourth player to do it. Pretty yeah. impressive there as yeah. well. Tip of the cap to him. Um, I'm with you. I think that Curry three point streak is is just insane. I, I mean, it's it just blows everyone else. I think he's second on the list as well for for games consecutive uh, three point shot shots made. I remember back in the '90s when Dana Barros broke this record, and it was like around I think a hundred consecutive games where he had oh, made wow. a three point field goal. So it just shows you how impressive this streak is. Um, so moving forward and uh, with regards to James Harden breaking that record, it also coincides with a lot of hot play from James Harden in the latest NBA power rankings. You can't see it from this graphic, but the Clippers have moved up to seventh of all NBA teams up from 15th on the power rankings from the week before they've, they've been hot. They they've been hitting on all cylinders and <clears throat> James Harden has been a big part of that. He's been very efficient. He seems to have his feet back under him, at least to the extent that he can right now. And the Clippers are rolling now. They've, they've found some chemistry here and eight wins in a row is, is nothing to, sneeze at Kawhi Leonard has also been great looks like a a real threat I mean kind of like old Kawhi I mean back in the groove playing very frequently so um what I want to ask is if so a lot of posts going on people talking like you know you all were so quick to jump on the Clippers for getting James Harden Etc. Now you see that we've got this eight-game win streak, and all the critics are are being quiet. Justin, should we, you know, you and I picked the Clippers like tenth in the West at the start of the season. Really, not believers. Do we need to be quiet with our criticism? How are you feeling about this team in the moment? I mean, not not just thumbs up, thumbs down in terms of are they going to win the championship, but do you feel like there are any kind of bigger nuances is here and bigger surprises that you didn't expect? Yeah. So to me, I mean, props for them for uh, going on this winning streak props to Kawhi for being the um, number one ranked 
player in offensive efficiency that was um, posted um, by our colleague Andrew Greif via Synergy Basketball. So um, props to the Clippers for doing that. Um, but let's take a look at some of the most recent games. So recently, take a look. They beat the Clip. They beat the Pacers. That was yesterday. Um, that was December 18th. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Warriors. They beat the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Jazz. They got a huge victory over the Nuggets. They beat the Warriors. Um, and they lost. The last loss was to the Warriors. So if you take a look, I mean, their most impressive wins probably, I would say, because the Warriors are down. We'll, be, we'll get to them in a second. Right. But I think the Nuggets, impressive. I would say the Kings, uh, that's it. <laughs> I mean, take a look at their coming up their schedule. I mean, they're playing the Mavericks, they're playing the Thunder, they're playing the Celtics. Um, I mean, you got the, you know, they're probably easy one with the Hornets, and then you know they play the um, Grizzlies, the Heat, the Suns, Pelicans, Lakers. Uh, we'll see that. That's when we'll see if this team is for real because they're going to be playing a lot of tough teams and teams that you know the. Even though their records not be flashy, like they're in the hunt. And I think we've seen from last year, even though like a lot of teams don't have like the sexiest records, that it's ultra competitive. So once they get through the stretch, and if they even honestly go 500, I'll be more on the bandwagon. But otherwise, I'm like, I mean, good for them. I think for overcoming the adversity, I think that says a lot. I think they're taking a lot of crap, including from us. Yeah, they, um, they've passed a test. They did of overcoming adversity. At the same time, I'm ready to declare them like one of the elite teams in the Western Conference now. But yeah. we'll see. And I think it's one of those things too. Again, I always like to judge around Martin Luther King Day because that's yeah. like around one month out from All Star break. So if this sustains itself till MLK Day, then I think I will be on more of the bandwagon of you know this team being being serious and the West, but otherwise right now it's kind of like, you know, it's wait and see in my opinion. No, I love it. I love that you dug into their schedule. I think that makes a lot of sense to do when we're asking that question and, and kind of check on those receipts. And yeah, even if strength of schedule isn't super solid, um, you know, props for getting the wins. Certainly I echo a lot of the sentiments that you shared and I'll go back and stand by what I said when they acquired James Harden, which was, I thought, yeah, this does change my thoughts in terms of them being the 10 seed in the West. I do think James Harden helps them during the regular season. But again, when push comes to shove in the postseason, that's, you know, when things tighten up and you need more defense, you need maybe more options. And quite frankly, you have guys that have not been showing up in the postseason the last couple of years. That's where the real concern is here. So I think this is right in line with that. We've finally seen them figure things out with each other on the court. Ty Lue, a great coach as well. So you wouldn't expect them to be down for too long. I still would be shocked if they climb to the top of the Western Conference. Like even like a top three seed, I think I then I would start giving them credit for that. I would still have my doubts in the playoffs, but I, I would need to 
I, I guess, relent from the criticism a little bit more if you get, you know, top four even or top three in the West and hold that for a while. Yeah. That's going to exceed my expectations, even with the James Harden acquisition. Yeah. No. Agree with you totally. Moving to another powerhouse team out West, I guess you can say based on merit by what they've done over the years, a much bigger powerhouse than the Clippers, the Warriors. So I said two weeks ago when I was on in the lab that the Warriors are done and was kind of more talking about Clay Thompson. I sort of bounced some of your thoughts on that last week when we were meeting and then lo and behold, Draymond Green hits like a spinning backhand on Yusuf Nurkic during Phoenix Suns matchup against them. And Draymond just kind of has a, another instance, you know, he's, he's trying to wrestle that ball out and hits him with that backhand really, you know, aggressively. Thankfully Nurkic was not hurt from it or anything like that, but just kind of everyone agreed kind of, out of line, a lot like when he put Gobert into the chokehold. I think that was blown up. The The Gobert incident was blown up maybe a little bit more than it needed to be. But now you have another instance this season of Draymond just really kind of seeing red and losing it, uh, losing his composure for sure. And, you know, hitting, hitting a player uh, and doing something that, you know, puts a little greater risk of injury occurring, certainly. And so now we can, I think, double down that the Warriors are really <laughs> legitimately done for this year. I don't I don't see them personally coming back. I want your thoughts on this, but we did also get a time frame from it just a couple days ago. This from TMZ Sports that Draymond Green reportedly out at least three more weeks, which equates to about nine to 10 more games after he starts his counseling. And I guess before we talk about the Warriors being done, what do you think about the NBA's actions here, getting Draymond some counseling? Kerr had a, a press conference that everyone was talking about where he talked about, you know, we need to rehab Draymond Green, the person. This is about a lot more than his basketball career. This is about his life moving forward after his time playing in the NBA is over. What do you think about just the action being taken? Is it appropriate? And do you think it's kind of the most effective route they can take? So my take on this is controversial because it, it, it shocked me because when this went down and when the NBA handed out this course of action, it seemed to be a lot of sympathy towards Draymond, right or wrong? Like in terms of the rehabilitation and the counseling, am I right on that? Or Yeah, I think so. I think kind of inherently when you bring up counseling, I think people have a lot of sympathy. Uh, it, it seems like instantly just the word, you know, counseling or rehabilitation kind of changed the, I mean, it almost made it feel like Draymond is in some way like a, a victim of a condition or, or something like that, you know, and I don't know what's going on in Draymond's personal life or anything like that, or the issues he's dealing with, you know, I will say that, but it's hard for me to feel sympathy when we see what we saw against Gobert, uh, what we saw against Nurkic and, and what has happened years before. Anyway, sorry to derail. No, what I, no, no, no. You're thank you for explaining. No, no, you're good. Because from what I heard, Rich Paul is Draymond's agent, right? 
And so they came up with this strategy mm. in terms of what's going on. And I think I am on the side of Jay Williams on ESPN. And <laughs> I think seeing him, he's, I think he's like looking at everybody, everybody's in the twilight zone. Like this guy has a track record of behavior ever since he's gotten to the league. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how all of a sudden this is a, he's going through family issues. He has some kind of a quote unquote, you know, this is being related to mental health. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think this it's it's just an excuse for him just to get back on the court as quickly as possible. I think this guy has a track record of this terrible behavior. And to me, like look at Ron Artest. I mean, he got punished pretty hard. For oh his, yeah. You know, and to me, it's one of those things where we understood what Ron Artest was going through based on his mental health, right? Um, but I think. With Draymond, we, we really don't know that. And I don't know. My, my thoughts are kind of a little bit all over the place. I think personally he should have been suspended for like 20 games. I know that's in the minority. I just think based on this guy's track record, like I think everybody's acting like this is a recent thing. Like this was like recent. If this was like he had these incidents during this season, it, if this was Clay Thompson, like Clay Thompson's never done anything. Let's <laughs> right. just say Clay Thompson did the things that Draymond did the past two seasons. That's I would believe something is seriously something's going on. This is uncharacteristic behavior. Yeah, but this is Draymond's deal. I mean, at worst, he is the, one of the most dirtiest players in NBA history, and at best, he's one of the most reckless players in NBA history. I think he's extremely reckless. I don't think his actions are intentional, in my opinion. I don't think he's out there to hurt people, but at the same time, he is really really reckless with his actions and i think he needs to be punished for it well sometimes and, he is out there to hurt people though yeah that's I true i mean yeah. look at like the highlight of him lighting up jordan pool good point I, that's true. I know that wasn't you know that's true bright lights on and even and look at rudy gobert i mean he that was an intentional thing of choking him where instead of i mean there's a thing of like hey pulling him off the situation that was like a choke. That was like a chokehold. Like that was pretty violent when it happened. Yeah, I mean, and he to, didn't squeeze tightly on it. Thank goodness, because that's where the harm would be. But yeah, but the thing of it being around the neck is like I, you had to do that instead of under the shoulders or, you know, yeah. This this seems contrary to what the NBA. I mean, this seems very contradictory to what we see in the NBA every night. In terms, of you sneeze on somebody, you call somebody like a bad word. I mean, we're talking about what um, Udoka LeBron. I'm just having yeah. like a heated conversation. <laughs> he totally yeah. gets ejected. And then here's Draymond Green, who has a track record of just this terrible behavior. Like, I mean, we'll split this, we'll split the difference. So let's go one half reckless, half intentional. And this guy just gets three weeks. We're acting like he's going through some kind of crisis where this guy has a track record of behavior. So to me, yep, I just uh, think the hammered should have been dropped on this. And I agree with Jay Williams. Like, I don't understand like the sympathy for him. I have no sympathy. Like, <laughs> I yeah. mean, look at the evidence. I mean, he has, I mean, there's been excuses for, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum every single season. And if you look at somebody, I think with technicals and ejections, I think it was um, Rashid Wallace. I mean, right. I've never seen Rashid Wallace punch somebody or do anything as he did talk to the refs. I mean, yeah, it's true. I, he was I, he was a hothead, but it was vocal. Yeah, I've never. I yeah. mean, I never seen him put any hands on physically on anybody or try to hurt other. Right. Players. Well, so, and you bring this up. I w- I want to dig this back yeah, up too. Sure. Because I think what's 
What's potentially disgraceful about all this is what you bring up about mental health. And if they're just using this as a shield, I mean, yes, it's a smart business strategy, but that's, that's also (laughs) very insulting and, you know, potentially offensive in many ways to people who are dealing with real issues and you're hiding behind the shield. Want to point out too, that Rich Paul is the agent of Ben Simmons when he sat and he used the mental health case as well when he was sitting for the 76ers. So it's not like this is the first client of theirs to take this strategy as well. Now, look, again, I don't I don't have their medical records. I don't have their medical chart. There may be mental health issues for all I know. I I don't, but I don't understand I, why I don't feel sympathy for yeah. Draymond Green. I I'm fine with the length of this suspension, I will say. We'll see if that goes the full 9 to 10 games whatever. I, I think if he has another strike, then that's like kind of like a three strikes kind of thing and I think it should be really really harsh, you know, double what it is now at least uh depending on what the situation is. But Well, I don't, yeah. Um, if you if you look at John Morant, right? There was two components. There was the suspension, and there was him going through things, making sure that doesn't happen again. There's like two components. We clearly knew that he was suspended for a certain amount of games. For Draymond, this is under the guise of like he's suspended indefinitely. Like we have an estimated time of the games he has to go to. Like, what are we doing? He has to go counseling for what? Like rehabilitation for what? Like, I don't know. The same. I think it goes kind of the same thing with John Morant. Like, rehab. I don't understand. Like rehab. Yeah, well, John had that rehab phase, and then it, it was only it was really like I think it was six games that he missed. Yeah, during the rehab phase, and then he got the hammer dropped on him he on did. the next offense, which was the one that led to yeah why he's not debuting until tonight, <laughs> well, this regular season. Yeah, yeah, and I don't understand. To, and I think we can move on if you want. If you have sure, other questions, sure. but. I just feel with, with Draymond, this is like a pattern of behavior that's gone on throughout his entire career. And just now, all of a sudden, there's like, oh, we, here we, you know, one more, he strike, he's out. Like, how many strikes has there been? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I can't even name the number. I mean, where are we at right now? I think, they've, I think the, the league has kind of enabled his behavior to lead to this point where he just gets away with it. So, yeah. I do think it helps you a lot to be friends with LeBron. I do yeah. think it helps that you have a very, very strong players union there that's true um i think those are things that factor into this as well behind the scenes but i'm with you and honestly i'm i'm very doubtful that draymond is going to change i mean i don't know what you know counseling is doing all that stuff but i mean the guy released a documentary on tnt after he punched his his (laughs) teammate out that that like didn't apologize to his teammate yeah so (sighs) he's been in the league a while. It's not like a John Morant situation where he's very young in the league and maybe more malleable. I think he's kind of set in his ways and also he's had a ton of success in the league. So I, you know, will be fascinating to see what happens and, you know, hopefully, I mean, I don't mind if Draymond loses his temper from time to time, but hopefully just stopping with (laughs) the physical acts on other players. And I'm for old school basketball, pushing, yelling, being physical. But this is like crossing a line where you're seriously hurting people. Like, I mean, we're not in the 80s anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I do think Nurkic could have been hurt by what happened. I mean, thankfully he wasn't. 
Um, but you know, you talk about a matter of another inch or two off, maybe it hits his temple and he, you know, goes lights out on the court or something. Um, and that's of course what nobody wants to see. Even guys like you and me that like the more physical play and want a little bit more leeway for these defenses. Yeah, no, agreed. So I, I think, you know, the only good news for the Warriors right now is that Clay Thompson has been very hot their last three games. I, I do still really doubt them as a potential contender. It just feels like they don't have, as we talked about last week, I mean, they just don't really have a lot of lateral moves, a lot of big deals that I think they could realistically make to improve this roster. It feels like they've, they've kind of had their time to get their titles with the core as assembled. I mean, unless you're, you're really looking at getting rid of some fan favorites like Clay Thompson, et cetera. But even then, I don't know that you could get the value to be a title contender. We'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and move on. As you mentioned, another team, we talked about the Raptors and the Bulls potentially being active in this trade deadline last week. Another team that has sort of announced they are throwing their hats in the ring and maybe looking to move things. I think this is not all that shocking given, given, uh, given Danny, Danny Ainge's history at the deadline, but this is the Utah Jazz. And even Lori Markinen right now is allegedly available in trade talks. So that pretty much insinuates that their entire roster including John Collins, who they just required or just acquired uh, from the Atlanta Hawks is available in these trade talks. Realistically, do you see Utah moving like a Jordan Clarkson or a John Collins? And are there any pieces on this jazz team that if you're Danny Ainge, you're looking to maybe hold on to? I mean, if they get rid of marketing or Clarkson, wouldn't that pretty much mean the end of this phase of the Jazz? I mean, we pretty much be conceding the rebuild unless, I mean, if they're getting picks for them, then definitely. Um, and I don't really see them getting equal value. I just think it's, to me, it's like if you trade them, you're trading them to get picks and you're just going to start over again. So, right. And I think with, with you know, I think we talked about with Markinen last year. I mean, he was with Chicago and really couldn't flourish there and really performed better in Utah. Um, but, you know, I think it's kind of the thing that with the Utah Jazz are in the same deal as with Chicago. I think compared to Chicago, which I think it was very blatant that, you know, that that roster wasn't going to do anything. I'm not sure that's the same thing for Utah. They had some some success. So I, I, I'm questioning if this is a little bit of impatience to make it all these roster moves, despite, you know, how, how much, you know, <laughs> they're 12th in the Western Conference. So to me, it seems like a bit of a panic move. But, you know, Danny H loves to make moves, like you said, Matt. So he's setting you know, the table. If he's, he's able to get the table for those, if he's teams. able to get picks, um, then I think it's worthwhile. If not, I question what's the point of this move. So. Yeah, the only thing I would say personally, if I'm Danny Ainge and with the history of Utah being able to acquire free agents, I mean, one of the last big free agents I can think of to Utah was like Carlos Boozer when he left the LeBron Cavaliers to join that team. So it's my point being, it's not that often that free agents go to Utah with Lori Markinen saying this quote, I just want to emphasize that I really believe in what we're building here with the jazz end quote. And he's also the best player on that roster right now. 
I, I personally would keep marking in and maybe move yeah. some of those other pieces. Me too. Um, I, I think they were, you know, you remember they were supposed to be rebuilding last year. Yeah. And they true. shocked the NBA world with the success that they had. So I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, they're still looking to do that rebuild. Um, but I, I would hang on to marketing, especially if he's like a good soldier, like he's at least appearing to be in, in quotes, certainly. Um, let's keep chugging here and want to talk about Monty Williams and the Pistons losing streak. We haven't uh, had a chance to cover this. The Pistons have not won a game since the Rangers won the World Series. It's been, I believe, a 23-game losing streak. We have a quote here from Monty Williams saying that the losing streak bothers him. And this is coming from Mark Spears at Mark J. Spears. Quote, it bothers me because it's my job to figure it out. I've lost my wife and I've had two close family members deal with cancer. So that's a perspective that I always have. But this is my body of work. And to come here to lose like this, I want to do better than we've done, end quote. Now, I will say the roster build in Detroit is pretty rough. We talked about that at the beginning of the season. But do you have any sense of, of what's going on in Detroit and how much of this would you say at this point is Monty Williams fault as head coach? I mean, is, is he kind of a step behind other coaches? Um, It's tough because I think, you know, take a look at Monty Williams' track record. I, I think it's pretty good. And I think you take a look at this roster as kind of like the, the Atlanta misfit toys <laughs> mm. um, and a lot yeah. of potential that has not come to fruition. I think a lot of people had huge hopes for, you know, Kay Cunningham, you know, sure. Thompson. I mean, these are a lot of players that I think a lot of people had, you know, some huge potential and even, you know, James Wiseman who came over, I think from the Warriors. So, you know, I, I mean, you look at these guys, I mean, it's not like these are like a bunch of unknown, you know, no name dudes. I mean, these, these are guys that I think had a lot of potential and they're just not performing. Um, and, and also I think, We've seen the NBA, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, I think the range of competition has increased, and that is brutal for a young team. And mm -hmm. I want to ask you, and I, I know we were kind of up against it against time, but how do you kind of compare them compared to the Rockets? Because the Rockets were going through a lot of, you know, losing. You know, I'm sure, I think I remember you telling me just a lot of, a little bit of turmoil just with the, the locker room there, a lot of younger guys, and now they've been able to pull it together. Do you see kind of, you know, a Sangoon-like story in terms of potential there in Detroit? Or do you think this is kind of a failed roster? They, they should just, you know, start over again. Yeah, it's it's interesting to compare those two because you got Sangoon and, and Jalen Green the same season as Kate Cunningham was yeah. drafted. So they're on that similar timeline. And I think now, I mean, I think it's kind of played out that the Rockets just did a, a better job of roster building overall. Now you have to give the concession that the Rockets, a lot of their success this season is bringing those veterans in. So I think Detroit needs to look to that 
and how the Rockets responded to having Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks come in to kind of change the culture. I think that's what Detroit is going to need to do next season. Even if they're overpaying like a max contract, like the Rockets did for Fred Van Vliet, we can see based on the results that it's, it's really worth it. So they should look to kind of what position they have the biggest need at and maybe get one of those veterans to come in and fill that role. I believe they have Boyan Bogdanovich as kind of a veteran presence on the team. He's been in some trade rumors, but they've also said they, they're kind of looking to keep him. So who knows how that will change and what this team will do at the trade deadline. But I do think Cade has dealt with a lot of injury problems and hasn't been this whole time on the court. He's had less time to develop in terms of that on-court experience because of those injuries. So he's also acting as kind of their their head playmaker or almost like a point forward for them. And that throws in a, a wrench in everything you're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. But I think there are a lot of things about this roster that just don't mesh well together. And I think what we're seeing is the Rockets did a little bit better of a job of piecing things together like even last season which was a bad season for the Rockets you could see flashes with Shangun you could see flashes with these guys playing off of each other they just couldn't keep the turnovers down and they couldn't play good defense so enter coach Udoka and and those veterans and that has turned these things around so I think Detroit needs something like that and I do wonder about Monty Williams I mean he did say and maybe it's a it's sort of a statement he made that'll age poorly, but he said kind of alluded to, he couldn't turn down the money. Like the money was too good for this offer, this five-year deal that I don't, I don't think they're going to fire him uh, this season just based on the length and cost of that deal. And I don't know that he deserves it at this point, but yeah, it's, it's a mess right now. No doubt. Stuff. Yeah. So we feel for you, Pistons fans. <laughs> We're hoping things Hang turn there. around for you. And I know there's like a little pseudo rivalry between the Rockets and Pistons, but I I don't feel the same way. Like, I don't like to see a team lose 20 plus games straight. Like, I, I just don't think that's good for the league in general no, to not. have that happening. Hmm. So best wishes to you guys. Real quick, Justin, a, a couple more rapid fire topics. And then like you said, yes, we we do need to get out of here. Um, I guess I lost this bookmark, but it's okay. We can just talk about it real quick. There are rumors that Bull Bull, well, the San Antonio Spurs may be interested in Bull Bull, which would put a potential front court of Bull Bull and Victor Wembenyama together. Is this much watch must watch television? If the San Antonio Spurs get Bull Bull. I guess. I mean, do you think Pop is really going to play them together? I mean, how much? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. And I, I think, think you'd lose out on a lot of speed. Are we done with the bowl bowl phenomenon? I mean, wasn't it kind of like popping there for a second? Isn't it over now? I mean, I mean, I think he does, you know, I think he probably deserves to be on the NBA roster, but like this whole, I got caught up in it too. Like, you know, this magic of him but isn't it over now i mean <laughs> at some point he it is i mean he's only 24 i mean it's kind of brutal to say that but you know i just feel like for years we just this has been this fascination with him online there's just kind of i don't know we know what he is at this point 
it kind of feels a little bit like, you know, to quote Mean Girls, stop trying to make Fitch happen or or what is it? Like <laughs> I forgot. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Um it feels like if if Bull Bull would be a contributing piece to a, a roster that that would have happened by now. No, agreed. So something no. something else is going on. You hear about like work ethic issues or attitude issues. I don't know if they're those are founded or not, but regardless, it kind of feels like if it would have happened, it it would have happened by now. Yeah, no, I agreed. Sure. Two more things that we'll go again, kind of rapid fire through here because folks, we have more going on behind the scenes tonight. So um, Giannis played against the Indiana Pacers and he scored a franchise record 64 points for the Bucks, which surpassed Michael Red. If you remember Michael Red, a great perimeter scorer, his 56 point night. Giannis wanted the game ball, but it also was a rookie's first points for the Indiana Pacers. So we had a little competition that led to this highlight of Giannis Antetokounmpo basically forcing his way back towards the visiting locker room of the Indiana Pacers to get the game ball. You see this that I've pulled up here if you're watching the video that Giannis says, quote, I have a ball, but I don't know if it's the game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. So Giannis is not, in quote, Giannis is not convinced that he has the real game ball. I I kind of just want your pick. Should a rookie player who maybe, maybe is going to get more opportunities, maybe is not, he hit a free throw and scored his four, first point. So the Pacers wanted that ball for him. Should he get this game ball or should Giannis, who got the 64-point record, get the game ball? I don't know why this is up for a discussion. I, it's Giannis. He scored 64 points. Oh, really? <laughs> See, I, I disagree. <laughs> really? I don't understand. Yeah. When I saw this, I was like, what is happening? I thought there was a fight. Like, I kind of <laughs> had like, you know, PTSD with the mouse in the palace because the way he was acting, I was like, is there a fan? Like somebody get, you know, jumped or something? Like he was, his body it was language, insane. It was a bad look for him. I thought. Extreme. I agree. It was a bad look for the league. Yeah, I mean, that overshadowed everything, quite honestly. It's just like, that's a huge accomplishment, like 64 points. Like, no one's talking about that. Instead, it's a stupid game ball situation. To me, it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like, who is this rookie? Like, like tough luck. You didn't get the game. And there's two game balls. Like, you get the other one. Or, And to me, I didn't understand this either. Like, I think, what was it? Yeah. Um, was it Rick Carlisle who said... Like the stat sheet's more important. Like I didn't understand that thinking. I was like, yeah, he was saying that why don't we compromise? Our rookie gets the game ball, and you get the score sheet. You guys get a printout, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like how many printouts are there? And and to me, it's like how many game balls? To I don't know. To me, it's like if both if both balls were played in the game. Like, I don't understand what's really the controversy. If there's one ball, there's only one ball. It should go to Giannis. If there's, right. to me, my understanding is that there was two of them, right? There's two game balls. So to me, if they're both used in the game, like one person gets each ball, I don't see the issue there. And honestly, I think, I mean, especially with Giannis's game ball, it's probably going to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame anyway, to be mm. honest. Like, it's well, like, and to your point, I didn't even think about this until you started discussing this, but... I mean, like, take the Rockets. When Shangoon and Jalen Green had their debut, 
you know, there, there's more than one rookie playing yeah. on these NBA exactly. debut games. Yeah. Even if you have only one rookie per team, there's more than one rookie. So mm-hmm. how are they managing those situations exactly. too? Like, does everybody get the first point they scored? To me, like it's Giannis is going to have lots and lots of accolades built up over the years. Granted, this scoring record for the franchise he's been on all these years. Yeah, maybe that is more special. Maybe you kind of won me over on this one now, thinking about all all these rookies that are playing and scoring their first points. Like, how how are they dealing with that? So, right. you know what? I changed more? my mind, Justin. You, <laughs> you won me over. <laughs> I never heard of this guy before. To me, and I think, you know, star power matters. Like, if it's Wimby... You know, and I think honestly, even in that situation, if it's win, I would kind of understand it more star power wise. But even then, it's like Giannis is the better star. He had the better record. I mean, I don't understand what the controversy is. And also, to me, like, didn't the Bucks win the game? Like, to me, I just thought the game ball goes to the team that won. Like, mm. right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Am I missing something here? Like, I yeah, don't, it does seem like the Pacers are kind of trolling the Bucks like, with doing? all this. Yeah, like, Rick Carlisle is doing some sort of, you know, Jedi mind trick, or maybe it's a Sith Lord mind I trick. So. But I do. I will say, Giannis's behavior. I think that was pretty bad. I, despite me siding with him, I mean, come on, just let it go. You make some jokes. I don't know. You get your entourage to handle this. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to be the person running in the exactly. tunnel. Yeah, and, like, and having ridiculous. the cameras on you while you're that doing was that. Crazy. I was like, what yeah. are you doing, man? I, like, oh. I mean, tell tell team security to go get yeah, it. You don't no. think exactly. that team security will go run in there for Giannis? Absolutely, they will. Um, so, you know, not that it should be like a physical altercation over all this stuff anyway. It's it's agreed. all kind of silly. Yeah, but yeah, tell us your thoughts. You know, who who are you siding with here, Giannis or the rookie? Justin kind of won me over with <laughs> with this discussion. I here. don't know. When I heard the rookie's name, I was like, who is this guy? Why are we talking about this guy here? What are we doing? But yep. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh. I'm not sure. But I mean, I think it's special, like your first professional points. But you know, um, there's multiple game balls. I, I think. <laughs> You could have given him just one of the other balls. If you got to pick between him and like a franchise record that, um, that doesn't happen every, every night, certainly one more topic here. We'll just do a quick, you know, approve or disprove. One of the biggest names in general managing in the NBA has signed a contract extension. Daryl Morey has agreed on a contract extension through the 2027-2028 season, sources tell ESPN, this is coming from Woj, and the Sixers have um, 65.3 winning percentage in his three seasons on the job in Philadelphia. Justin, in your mind, I know there's been a lot of turmoil and drama in Philadelphia over his tenure. Is he worth that extension or not? Uh, I think it, I think he is. I mean, I don't have too much thoughts about this. I think, you know, he, he has experience in terms of, you know, high profile roster changes. And I think with the Sixers, especially this, the next phase of this team and keep it Embiid long term, you know, I, I am comfortable with this. I know he's been controversial, but, you know, I think. Hesitantly, I think this is the right move that they can make. I think it's a it's a long contract until 20, 2028. So um that's a long time to, to you know put your you know chips in on Mori. 
But, you know, I, I think so far it's, it's the right move. And I think it's proven a trick to have dividends just based on what's happened with James Harden and how the Sixers are doing at the moment. Yeah, it seems like wherever Daryl Morey has been, you know, he may not have the championship pedigree. Yeah. Even though he was in the Celtics organization, he was kind of under age uh, during the time that they won that 2008 title. But even though he may not have the championship pedigree on his own, he definitely has made the Rockets and the 76ers contenders uh, granted, you know, the 76ers were contenders and he has kind of kept them there. I think his move of Ben Simmons was masterful. I think his move of James Harden, um, who was his golden child was also masterful. I, th- I think just the way he has handled those big profile moves are great. And it's, it's a really tough league to go up into that next championship level stratosphere It's just so competitive right now and so deep, but he's got the MVP on his team and he's, you know, got presumably like maybe, maybe he's bought himself until next year with how happy Joel Embiid is, you know, maybe till the end of next season, but things change quickly in the NBA as you all know. And I don't need to tell you that Justin. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're in agreement. I, I do also think he is worthy of this extension and he'll keep them relevant. So we got to get out of here. We got to go meet an interview that we will be excited for you guys to hear in the near future. Reminder, you can comment, let us know your thoughts on any of these topics in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, you can get at us on social media, anywhere you're doing that. I'm primarily on X. You can follow me at the trainers take. You can follow Justin at JG hoopsology and We will look forward to getting in the conversation with you all. We thank you for your support. We will have another episode before Christmas hits, looking at Christmas Day games along with a special guest. So we will look forward to seeing you then. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Peace out. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.